Hello and welcome to the Get Spanish Football News Show. My name's Tommy Hay and I'm joined here in Madrid by the editor-in-chief of GSFN, Kieran Quill. We're currently on an international break, but there's still plenty to talk about. The fallout from the transfer window, issues on and off the field, and obviously the small matter of El Clasico. A lot of people, Kieran, were, were surprised that this fixture is coming so early in the season, but I don't think anyone's complaining. It's something that we're all looking forward to. Yeah, it's a game that we all look forward to. I think every time the fixtures come out, it's it's one of the dates that you have in mind. And seeing it in October kind of gets you excited. I remember last season's one was around maybe December time. Yeah, November, December. Yeah, it was it was a bit later at the new Camp. That was a nil-all draw. This time again, the first one's at the, the new Camp on Saturday the 24th at 4pm local time, which would be 3pm... 3pm for, for listeners in the UK mm-hmm. yeah and it's probably one of the more unpredictable ones in, in recent years you'd have to say I think so yeah it's the fact that like no no team has great form heading into it I mean Madrid have had a strong start but they haven't been blowing teams away kind of similar to the end of last season's campaign when they won the league they were, they were getting the wins scraping it yeah like 1-0 2-0 Solid, really solid at the back, being led by Ramos and Courtois was very good in goal as well. And they've kind of continued that form, not blowing teams away. Um, questions maybe over attacking options as well. And yeah, I think that makes it more exciting. The fact that neither team is really on firing all cylinders at the minute. That's it. And I suppose more than good or bad form, it's just there isn't hasn't really been form. The, at the time of recording this, Barcelona have played three games. You can't really deduce too much for that. Madrid, Madrid have played four. Mm. They're going to have one more each before we before we actually get into the classical. I'd say Madrid maybe arguable on paper should be the favourites. They are the champions. They've won they've won three games out of the four that they have played uh, at the time of recording. Top of the table. In contrast to Barcelona, they've had no transfer drama uh, drama over over the summer. They've had no internal conflicts, uh, anything like that. So. Would you say they're their favourites? You could, but they're going to Barcelona, which it's it's never really yeah. easy going there. I think it's it's a hard one to call. And I think Kuman will probably be happy with his start. Seven points from three. Uh, and he's like building his team at the moment, trying to get his own style. And I think they've been pretty impressive under him. I think they've they've looked a bit more solid and a couple of nice wins away to Celta Vigo so I think he'll have them pretty confident next week and Zidane will also have Madrid looking at, looking ahead to that one and I don't know there's a big week coming up for them with Champions League action right beforehand uh, Madrid play on, on the Wednesday against Shakhtar Donetsk Barcelona play on the Tuesday and you know they have that extra day so I don't know an extra day preparing for the Clasico could be could be worthwhile. Makes a big difference. Mm. Makes a really big difference. And also just to get a bit of confidence, you, you did mention that before. They sort of scraped through a few games. That three two win over Betis, which I think they were quite lucky to win that one. The nil nil draw against Sotiedad, they were arguably lucky not to lose that one. And Vidalid, they weren't it was kinda laboured against them and un- unbelievably Karim Benzema's come in for a bit of criticism. Despite how good he's been over the last couple of years. Really, his whole time at Madrid, he's, he's been excellent and he's definitely, I think, undervalued. This is evidenced by the fact that he's been coming in for a fair bit of criticism by the Spanish press. They're saying he's not firing on all cylinders and that's a concern going into the, the classical. 
And I'm not sure if that's really true, but to play devil's advocate for a moment, do they have problems going forward? Would you be concerned if you're a, if you're a Madrid supporter going, in, going into this um, game against Barca? Barca only conceded one goal, so they need to be they need to be on it. Yeah, I think when you look at their squad, they're they're pretty light up top for out and out strikers. Like you have Benzema there, they sent Borja Mayorala to Roma on a two year loan deal, and Jovic. He, ha- he just hasn't hit the ground running since joining from Eintracht Frankfurt last year so they've got young Hugo Duro coming from Getafe he came in on a loan deal but he was originally joining the Real Madrid Castilla team and he's actually been brought into Zidane's Champions League squad because they're so light up top so I think they are and they're going to be relying more on attacking wide players like Vinicius who's got a couple of goals recently against Levante and against Valladolid he's been the difference they're going to need more goals from wider areas and in midfield and Modric hasn't scored since January so he'll be looking to get a few goals like he's a player with a, a very good shot and you'd expect him to score more obviously he's a centre midfielder so he, he might be getting into double figures every year but yeah they're, they're, they're definitely light up there and it showed towards the end of last season I mean they were really dominant they, they won the league but they were they weren't smashing teams like they would have been under Pellegrini yeah, and scoring yeah. over 100 goals you know what I mean so yeah they are they are light and I think Barca have more goals in them mainly down to Messi but like if Griezmann hits form and I don't know they wanted the pie but yeah it's 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 I think it's unfair to criticise Benzema because mm. he, he's been leading the line so well for, for the last few years ever since Ronaldo left He's come in and his stats are phenomenal. Yeah, but I think it's just difficult. I think it's difficult for Madrid fans to. It's funny how we always go back to the Pellegrini era as like as the marker for almost what we expect Madrid to be doing all the time. That that was a that wasn't normal. What what Madrid were doing under Pellegrini scoring so many goals. They were mm. they were really blowing teams away, mm. and you'd have to say that the the current Madrid team are just as just as effective. They're 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 winning matches. They they're they're current champions. Okay, they're not they're not putting five or six past teams every every week, but you know they're they've they've been doing well. It's a it's probably a concern going up against a a Barcelona team because for all their problems, for all the 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 kind of crazy summer that they had and everything, I think it's fair to say that they've uh, they've had a pretty consistent start under Cumin. Eight goals for only one conceded against a really good Sevilla team. It would probably be a bit too much it would, be, it would be a stretch to say there's a, a feel good factor at Barcelona at the moment but I think Koeman's got them playing in a way that the fans could be possibly quietly confident going into it yeah like he, he's definitely made some changes he's brought Coutinho into the team he's playing 4-2-3-1 I think a lot of people expected Griezmann to start through the middle but he's been playing from the right and Messi has been through the middle with Fatty on the left Fatty's been the star of the show really and like amidst all the the madness of Barcelona with all the off the field issues Fatty's the the player that will be keeping Barcelona fans relatively content and he'd be the one that you could see making the difference like he's on the left wing for the Clasico probably Mm. like down to form he's one of the first on the team sheet at the minute I'd I'd suspect so with him on one wing and then with Vinicius on the left wing for, for Madrid you could see either of those guys being the potential match winner like young exciting attacking talents uh, for both teams but yeah Koeman I think can be pretty content with how it's gone so far and he's got a bit more um, 
stability there, I suppose, in, in his in his options and, and what he's chosen so far. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. You mentioned Ansu Fati. Uh, everybody's talking about him just now. There's a sort of narrative going about that he's possibly this season going to be the star of the whole thing as opposed to Messi. Uh, definitely set the tone. He scored the, scored the opening goal against Villarreal. Um, a little f- I don't know where I read this uh, the other day. It was probably on Twitter or something. But uh, and for each of the last three managers, Messi scored the opening La Liga goal for them, for Enrique, for Valverde and for, uh, for Setien. And this season, this time around under Koeman, um, Fatty gets the goal. And he's been great in, in, in all the matches. He's been good for the national team as well. Uh, he's similar to Coutinho in the sense that he's hungry and he, he's, 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 he's got something to prove here. And that's already is a difference from last season where you just felt that it was a team reaching the end of, of an era uh, under Valverde and, and then under Setien. I think Barcelona fans have got reasons to be optimistic because of this guy. Again, devil's advocate, do you think... How do you think Messi's going to be feeling about, about Fatty? Because my initial thoughts are he's going to be happy. Hmm. He's not going to be bothered about the, the spotlight being taken away from him or anything. I think he's going to be really happy having somebody like Ansu Fatty in the form he's in. Yeah, I think Messi will be delighted with the extra support and maybe it takes a bit of pressure off him having Fatty alongside him because Suarez, as we know, went to Atletico Madrid and there was a lot made of that. Suarez came out recently in a press conference ahead of his games with, with Uruguay basically saying that it was a really tough time leaving the club I, I was crying it was just a very a very emotional period so Messi would have went through that and would have shared that emotion so I think having Fadi alongside him scoring goals and just such an exciting talent like Messi's twice the age of Fadi Fadi doesn't turn 18 until Halloween <laughs> so like he's, he's 17 and you look at the likes of transfer market the uh, the website like his current market value is 80 million euro and that's in a that's in a transfer market that has deflated recently and due to the coronavirus pandemic so i think messi won't care messi will be happy he's going to want like he's got potentially another season at barca another two seasons we don't know if he's going to end up going to man city eventually or if he'll stay there for the rest of his days but he's going to want to win like yeah he knows all the all the stuff off the field but i think he's just put that to one side and he's going to focus on the football he's going to be looking for Fadi to help him beat Real Madrid next week it's it's as simple as that that's it I think we can fall into the trap particularly here with what the press are like of, of seeing everything like a a bit like a soap opera and we want it we want there to be these sort of internal conflicts and dramas and players worrying you know players egos coming into it obviously egos come into it sometimes but I think in the case of Messi the guy's a born winner he wants to win leagues and Fadi's Aside from just being a quality player, he's he's taken a bit of the pressure off of off of him, and and that has to be a good thing. These guys are professionals; they they, they think about the football above everything else. Uh, Barcelona have again against Sevilla. There were there were a few question marks about the performance. We'll talk about that uh, in in more depth next week. Um, but certainly against Vigo away, I thought that was a really good performance, and it showed what Messi can do when he when he is comfortable. Contrary to last season. He looked quick. He looked. He, he was higher up the park. He looked like he had the the sort of wind behind the sails a little bit, mm. and there wasn't that pressure on him to sort of grab the game by the scruff of the neck because he, he's surrounded by players. I think that he trusts. Yeah. Uh, in in this current Barca squad, so again, more good signs. Sorry, he struggled a bit against Sevilla in in the one all draw. Yeah. He had to come really deep because Sevilla were, were pressing so high that like Barca couldn't get out of their own box. Like PK was finding it really tough. 
to get out and, and play it from the back the way that they usually want to do it and and you found Messi like in the in the centre circle like coming really really deep but with Fadi he stretches teams which gives Messi a more forward role and then he can he can move in and on the other side you've got Griezmann coming in from the right flank which which adds depth to their attack Coutinho looks like a new player as well coming in from from Bayern Munich with his loan deal finishing there so yeah they, they, they do look a bit more exciting a bit more mobile and it should be it should be a fascinating classico there's talk of Dembele trying to change his attitude now <laughs> but Koeman came out in a press conference and said recently that like Fadi is my starter he, he's the he's playing on the left wing and he shows week in week out how good he is so Dembele's going to have a really really tough time changing his attitude because he's had a hard like a horrible three years since joining Barcelona through injury through attitude problems and with with Fatty ahead of him now, I think his only real possibility of getting into the team would be on the right side. If yeah. Griezmann kind of continues to disappoint, then Bale might get in there. But last week Barcelona had four days off during the international break, and their players were players who weren't on duty had had a few days off. But then Bale went in and trained on his own for two days, and he was seen running and trying to get his match fitness. Well, not his match fitness, but trying to get his his fitness back. Yeah. Um, after just a horrible time with injuries so yeah he, he'll try the fact that he couldn't get a move away uh, to Manchester United he'll be trying to impress Koeman yeah definitely just one final thing in this game I think it's uh, it's interesting that when you, you mentioned the, the, the Sevilla game and the fact that Messi was forced to to drop deep and, and we saw a little bit we saw shades of of uh, the, the kind of disappointing performances that, that we saw last season um, if you're Zidane, you're going to be looking at that game as, as an inspiration for what you should do against Barcelona. If you if you put them under pressure, particularly in the middle of the park, that's where you can hurt Barca. If they they're, they're not a weak side by any means, Barca, but if they have anything that even closely resembles an Achilles heel, is that they don't like being put under pressure. We saw that last season when teams even were coming to the the, the new camp and feeling confident that they could play Barca just by putting them under pressure. It wasn't addressed last season, and it's early days under Cumin, and there's probably still a, a still a touch of that. Uh, and Real Madrid know how to pressurize teams. They, they we haven't spoken about the game against Levante yet, but that game against Levante, that's a free flowing Levante side who are really exciting to watch, and just did not let them play their game, uh, particularly in the first half of that match. They know how to pressurize teams. So if you're Zidane, you're going to be wanting the same against Barca and, and I think Zidane knows how to play them I think so it's, that's one thing they've got to be um, they've got to be careful about for all the positive uh, sensations as, as you would say here all the positive feelings about it about the game from, for, from a Barca point of view if you see Messi dropping deep against against Real Madrid in this game you know there's a problem and you know that Madrid have probably set out with a, with a decent a decent game plan mm. so that's something to look out for oh, Casemiro will be all over him yeah yeah, it will be, and I think I think that's gonna. You can almost put your house on that that that's gonna be a a matchup. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that um how that goes. Anyway, moving on, we're gonna stay on the topic of Barca, but uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the, the our, our final thing on transfers because to say it was a disappointing end to the the the, the window for Barca was it'll be a bit of an understatement. Um, financially things aren't great. They know recently that they've they've suffered a losses of about hundred million euros from annual accounts, and um, that made chasing targets more or less impossible. Certainly, the big targets. 
Uh, Lautaro Martinez, he had an 111 million release clause. That is out of the question. And the uh, the the Leon chairman uh, Jean Michel Ola, he he let the the cat out the bag a little bit because he he announced on Twitter, I think it was, that they couldn't even pay twenty five million for for Depay, yeah. so it wasn't looking good. But they have made a a, a signing, a rather exciting signing in the form of Serginho Dest. Um, what do we know about this guy? Well, he's an American international. He plays right back, just 19, and they've signed him for 21 million, and I think it's 5 million in variables. I, I like the look of him, just from, from watching clips. He looks really exciting, uh, very attacking, kind of modern fullback. Like, you look at the modern day fullback, and they're, they're practically wingers, and he's kind of in a similar mold. Gets forward, he's got a pretty good goals record as well for a fullback. If you look at his record at Ajax, underage and at senior level, he's, he's been pretty impressive. He's not afraid of trying a pirouette or a step over going forward either. So he's quite attacking and he, he kind of tries to base his game around Danny Alves, which is a pretty big ask because Alves is arguably one of the best ever right backs. Um, like a brilliant spell at Sevilla, which led to a move to Barcelona and then he won absolutely everything there. So... Yeah, he looks up to, to Alves and has basically said in his press conference at Barca that he kind of studied Alves and he wants to be like him. Mm-hmm. So an, a real attacking right back. So I think the whole Dutch factor having Koeman at the club, that helped him make the decision because Bayern Munich were, were really interested in signing him as well. But he said then in the same press conference that he followed his heart and he wanted the, the move to Barcelona over, over a move to the Bundesliga. So... I think you've had Sergio Roberto there at right back and um, you know he, he's getting on a bit as well and a lot of people always say that his, his best position is, is in a defensive midfield role so I think Dest could be your natural fit there for the next five or six years yeah. I think he signs on a five year deal so it, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he gets going like he, he made his debut against Sevilla but he came on in, in the left back spot and that was for Alba Alba was injured yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's exciting. Kuman didn't get the pie. He didn't get Eric Garcia from Man City. Th- those were clear targets of Barca's, and they just couldn't they couldn't get them over the line because they needed more sales to generate the revenue to make those signings. So yeah, that didn't happen. But I think Barca fans, alongside like Fatty, I think they, they can be excited about Dest from from what we know. Mm. Yeah, from what we know, he's, he's definitely a natural talent. Everybody that's ever worked with with the guy says he's he's naturally talented. Interesting thing though, just reading about him over the, over the last little while, the same people that say he's very talented, he's a natural, and he's exactly what Barcelona need. They've also mentioned a few things about his discipline, um, not just as a youth player, but but just kind of as a person in general. He seems to be kind of forgetful in things. There's a, He's not another than Bellet, is he? This is this is the worry. Are they taking a punt on someone? It's, it's way too early to know, but it's with, with these kind of signings, there's there's a risk with any kind of signing, but there are a few alarm bells with this that he's maybe a bit of a, a, bit of a loose cannon. Mm. Um, he seemed pretty calm at his press conference, I have to say. He seemed pretty subdued and things like that, so maybe, maybe he's, he's uh, sort of grown up a little bit in the last while but he is young 19 years old and it's, it's a tough one but certainly as a youth player he did seem to have um, a few problems with discipline and there were doubts over the guy's uh, professionalism and things like that so mm. his coach at Ajax he's got a great name Jerry Vink he says that he's a he's a, he's a fast technical good going forward but also a player who knows how to defend 
Um, so he's, he seems to be the 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 finished article almost in, in a way like and, and we've seen him playing and playing for Ajax and things he, he's, he's he's got a bit about him he wouldn't be at Barcelona otherwise but Vink also says that he's he describes him as being a bit of a strange character in many ways so you wonder if it's going to be another Dembele but it's definitely one to watch over the over the next wee while um, and something that's very exciting another youth player that it's going not exactly going as we expected uh, for him is Kubo. So Kubo's at, uh, at Villarreal on loan from Real Madrid. Not been the start we expected for him, um, nor has it been the start that Real Madrid expected for him. They wanted him, apparently, to play 40 games, starting all of them, and that has not happened. What's no. what's going on there? Yeah, it's, it's pretty bizarre because Unai Emery was insistent on bringing him to Villarreal ahead of hurt the other teams that were in for him so like the likes of Bayern Munich and plenty of names were mentioned Granada Osasuna a lot of La Liga clubs obviously were in for him because he was so good at Mallorca last season yeah I think even Real Sociedad were there so a lot of clubs that showed their interest but Madrid opted for Villarreal because they were insistent and they they basically promised game time like he's at a crucial stage of his development we're going to give him the, the time he needs and we think he can he can fit into our team you know, going forward, a team that's in the Europa League, lots of games to play, but he's only played fifty-four games so far, and you know, F- fifty-four minutes. Or fifty-four minutes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, they want him to play fifty-four games <laughs> in the Madrid offices, but he's yeah, he, he's just not featured at all, and they have a long season because they're going to be playing Copa del Rey, they're going to be playing Europa League, and. I think he, he will eventually get minutes but Madrid aren't afraid to pull the plug in these deals like as we saw last season uh, goalkeeper Andre Lunin and also with Jesus Pueco, um, they were struggling to get minutes on the field when they were out on loan for example uh, Vieco was at Wolves and he just wasn't getting a game at all so they took him back and then sent him on loan to Granada and he was able to get time there and, and, and he's still there on another loan deal so they're able to do this and Madrid want their, their best young players getting game time. That's the whole point of going on loan. It's not to sit on the bench. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 a strange one because you want to see, as a, as a fan of Spanish football, you want to watch Kubo play in week in, week out. I mean, he was brilliant to watch last year. Mallorca struggled, they got relegated, but he was always like the bright spark. Oh, he actually far, scored. By far and away the best player, yeah. Mm, he scored a cracker against Villarreal very early on when they beat them 3-1 in Mallorca. So yeah, I don't know. It could be a case of come January, if he's still not getting game time, that Madrid say no, enough's enough. Um, we've got like a list of clubs here who are willing to bring him mm. uh, to their their club and give him the actual game time that he needs because it, it reports are suggesting that he's not happy. And why why would you be happy like sitting on the bench? Yeah, and more importantly, Madrid aren't happy. You know, yeah. they, they've, they've been vocal about it. they're not happy with the situation. So. Uh, and as you say that the whole point of rejecting clubs like Bayern who by the way Bayern offered 7 million just to get him on just to get him out there that um, wouldn't have been a good move though to Bayern no, no I don't think it would have been yeah. but but purely because the, the, the point of it the, the point of him turning down that move would because he, he wouldn't have got a game no There's, I, I highly doubt it the best no. best team in the world at the moment so the he wouldn't have got a game there so you go to a club like Villarreal in uh, and, and the hope of getting a game with with a guarantee almost to get in the game in the first first five games you get 54 minutes it's, yeah, it's well, see, massively disappointing and Villarreal aren't any pushovers either like they have lots of quality going forward in, in Moy Gomez Jared Moreno Paco Alcácer 
those boys seem to get a mention every week on this podcast but they're they're brilliant um, manager Geros like they've lots of good midfield and attacking options so he, he wasn't just going to walk into the team anyway no. but because they were so you know insistent on it the majority were happy enough to let him go there yeah from BRL let's go a, wee, a few kilometres down the road to Valencia and now last week when we were recording this uh, we weren't sure what the status of Javi Gracia was because I think as we were recording it he was in a meeting with the with with the board mm. he's not happy there um, he had signed a, a two year contract at, at Valencia but it looked like it was going to be brought to a pretty abrupt end last week Gracia not happy with the lack of support that he sees uh, from, from the board in terms of new signings transfers they had a meeting, words were exchanged, but he's still here. What's what's going on with Javi Gracia? Why why is he still at the club? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a tough one because I, I think his his first couple of months at Mestalla have been a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, not what he expected at all, and it's just really coming from club owner Peter Lim, who's who's just been selling their best players hasn't invested a single penny in the club since Gracia came in and Gracia's got a pretty good profile like he worked with Watford in the Premier League got them to an FA Cup final so he's coming with a, a good pedigree to La Liga but supposedly Lynn didn't want any signings and told club president Anil Murty that this was the case like they weren't, we're not going to spend at all so Murty was coming out over the last couple of months saying yeah there, there may be signings and this was obviously the messaging that Gracia was getting because anytime Gracia spoke in press conferences it was yeah we're going to sign or we hope to sign or you know because you're you're losing Danny Parejo Rodrigo Moreno Coquelin Coquelin um, these players and you're, you're most experienced and your best players so obviously if you're the manager there you're thinking okay we need reinforcements so he was hoping and praying, but it didn't happen. It came to the last day of the window and it didn't happen. So the situation basically is that Peter Lim is losing money in, in the big companies that he owns, not just due, due to the coronavirus pandemic, but other factors as well. So the last kind of priority in his list is Valencia Football Club. Yeah. So he just wants to, to sell um, and kind of sees it as a project that is beyond repair at this stage. It's kind of like it's not worth the reinvestment anymore because it's going to take such a massive investment in order to get the club turned around because they finished ninth last year without investment so what Grassi is now arguing is that okay we, we finished ninth last season we needed to keep our best players we needed to invest and improve on what we had to try and push for European football in order to get the actual revenue that you need to continue to grow as a club Yeah. but Lim doesn't see that side of it at all he's not looking from a football point point of view he's looking from a business point of view and he, he just sees it as leaking cash so yeah. what's, what are you going to do if a business is leaking cash you're going to try and get shot of it you're going to try and yeah you're going to you're going to make sales we saw Parejo and Coquelin go to Villarreal for peanuts 8 million euro for, for your two central midfielders and Torres so low because he didn't bother renewing his contract it was yeah. like 25 million he yeah if even to Man City yeah like one of the most highly rated Spain internationals yeah so yeah so Gracia's in a really difficult position at the moment because he obviously wanted investment and it just makes his job very very difficult yeah yeah like a, a huge job he's 50 so if this doesn't go well and it doesn't look like it's going to go well he, he might never get a job of a club the size of Valencia again yeah so he's thinking of himself obviously because it's 
football is a, a selfish game as well everyone's in it for themselves mm-hmm. these owners these presidents you know you talk about winning teams and mentalities and stuff but at board level it's cash flow it's they're there for business Grassy's there for results and if you don't have the money to invest you're not going to get the results so it's a it's a really tricky one there at the moment for, for Valencia and Grassi and then he came out with a statement on, on the 8th of October and he basically said that I was I was convinced from day one we were going to reinvest and I didn't imagine the situation of having so many departures and no new sign-ins so he, he was basically saying that it makes a very ambitious challenge really complicated yeah. for a team to finish ninth last season and then he added by saying I don't want to undermine my current group of players and I want to give it my all for this club but it doesn't look good that doesn't look good and it could get worse actually because of the the situation that Atletico Thomas Partey went and because of the manner in which he left they're, they're allowed to sign from within the league and players that are free agents and there's the the sort of rumour <laughs> the wheel of rumours that, that's constantly going on is, is that uh, Condobia could be in their sights as a potential signing now you do wonder about that because Torreira's coming in but uh, Atletico, if they wanted to, could could potentially go in for Condobia. Mm-hmm. Although it would be quite a high clause that they would have to pay. Quite a high buyout clause. Maybe too high. Yeah, I think it could be too high. I, I've seen 80 million euro, which which would be crazy. And something that Atletico can't afford. Yeah. With their paying their, their stadium off. And they, just, yeah. they don't have the money. Again, the pandemic didn't help, but... Sarethon and Khil have also come out and said that yeah. they don't want to spend, they don't want to be in the red kind of thing. Yeah, I so I, I can't see that happening. I think uh, Lucas Torreira come in from Arsenal on a loan deal, so they might have to use him in the Thomas Partey role uh, and, and maybe not get Condogbia because of the money there, but they, they have a month to replace Partey and that's with a player who's currently based in Spain or out of contract, so... yeah. But even then, even if even if Torreira's not the best, I don't see them shelling out eighty million for Condobia. I think that would be mm-hmm. it would be difficult to convince <laughs> the yeah, people to, to part with that amount of cash, yeah. even if you are Simeone. Uh, Atletico aren't without their own potential problems. Keaton Trippier could be in a, a spot of bother. W- mm. What's what's this all about? Yeah, he left the England camp on Tuesday, and that was to appear at a personal hearing. Um, about the FA's charge over breaching betting rules so I think he faces a possible six month ban which would not be ideal at all because he's become a very important player for Atletico and they're right back like they're their first choice right back and if he was to be banned like they're going to be in trouble there because they've sold sorry they've let um, Santiago Arias go to Bayer Leverkusen on loan but he's after breaking his ankle so he's out for, for months and then Versalico, he's injured. So it would it would leave them with no first team right back if, if Trippier was to go. But not only that, like he's been brilliant since joining from Tottenham. So I think that would be um a tough one for for both player and obviously a blow for the club as well. But uh, Trippier has insisted that he's done nothing personally, like he hasn't placed any bets or profited from any bets made by anybody else. And I think it, it comes down to Bets being placed by a small mates. group of his mates. Yeah. Um. After, after a WhatsApp chat, suggesting that he was moving country. But like, what what are you supposed to do if you get a big if you get a big move to a European club? Like, not tell anybody. 
<laughs> I'm going to Butlins. <laughs> Why are you at the airport? Yeah, I think it would be yeah, it'd be difficult for him to, to lie about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna do it. So I think it's it, it's flimsy. Yeah. I would say against him. What I would you say? Flimsy. I've always fancied a weekend in Madrid. I don't know what some would, tapas. Yeah, I just really fancy it. Like mm. you know, it's kind of. But invent some lie like that you can yeah. lie to your friends and how often does that happen you know it's like it's yeah and you've been talking to, to the same mates throughout your career <laughs> when you played for Burnley and you played for Spurs yeah. you know it's I think it would it would be pretty harsh if we got a six month ban for that that would be an interesting conversation to have with a footballer just about that like mm. do you ever have to lie to your colleagues or mates about there probably is a wee bit of at least being economical with the truth you know yeah. there's certain things so yeah. but I think he would be very unlucky to get done with this and six months would be very hefty as well so mm. I don't know like we'll, we'll see what happens with that one uh, in other news, other news Cristiano Ronaldo uh, is tested positive for, for Covid um, he's been with the Portugal uh, national team Fernando Santos is the, the manager he says he's asymptomatic and he's fine and all he wants to do is keep playing obviously he can't play we have Covid mm. shouldn't play football if you have Covid but uh, he's fairly certain that he didn't catch it at the Portugal camp so who knows where he got it Real Madrid are worried about this because he has spent time with some of their players in the last week because yeah. Portugal have played against Spain and have played against France which means he's been in touch with Sergio Ramos Rafael Varane and also Ferland Mendy so imagine three of your four back four were ruled out for the classical because they were they've picked up coronavirus so it's a really tough time for everybody around the world not just football players I mean everybody in general but you're coming into close contact with these people and now all of a sudden you're a possible doubt for a match yeah so it's just it's amazing how it is affecting teams week to week and it's going to be a case of who can keep their players Covid free, yeah. They're gonna have a, they're gonna have the the advantage going forward. I'm I start to wonder if we should just scrap the international break. I don't understand mm. like the, what's obviously competitive fixtures are competitive fixtures, but those two games Portugal played were both nil nil draws, weren't they? Mm. You know, <laughs> for the sake of two nil nil draws, you're upset. You're upset. Club managers famously hate international breaks as well. Yeah, for the sake of two nil nil draws. What what's the what's the sense in sending these guys all over Europe and airplanes to, to play these games and potentially infect each other no it's a, it's a decent point yeah well we'll we'll know by the end of this week if, if there have been any um, if Cristiano has been responsible for, <laughs> for infecting yeah. some Madrid players so I just think in, in Madrid at the moment um, right backs are just having a nightmare of a time because yeah. Danny Carvajal's out for two months with uh, knee ligament damage Ordia Thola is out as well for, for Real Madrid so they're basically down to their third choice right back in Nacho Fernandez, mm-hmm. and then obviously you've got Trippier with his potential ban yep. Varsalico is injured Santiago Arias has broken his ankle so it's just not a good time for right backs of <laughs> clubs in, in Madrid the right back curse of Madrid mm. okay uh, just coming towards the end of the programme let's talk a little bit about uh, what's coming up it's been a quiet week because of the international break, but we've got lots coming up. Um, any thoughts on the, the fixtures over the next wee while? We've got Champions League, we've got we've got always got the league back. Anything stand out for you? Yeah, it's going to be a really busy couple of weeks because we've got La Liga returning this weekend with with some uh, some tasty fixtures to look forward to, and then we're straight into Champions League midweek. So this Saturday, Real Madrid face Cadiz on the 17th and then they they go and open their Champions League campaign against Shakhtar Donetsk and then they travel to Barcelona so they've got three games in a week 
definitely don't want anybody testing for coronavirus there <laughs> and then Barcelona they've got a tough one as I said against Getafe this weekend as well it's like going to the dentist trip to the dentist yeah, yeah. it's not, not an easy place to go to Getafe they got the win there last season um, do you remember Ter Stegen's punt up the pitch to Luis Suarez yes and he lobbed the keeper yeah so they've got they, they know how to win even though it's a tough place to go to and then they're playing Hungarian outfit uh, Ferenc Varos I think I've got that pronunciation so I think correct. it's Ferenc Varos yeah. okay yeah, yeah something they, they, they knocked knock Celtic out mm. that's where they're, they're there and they're good they've got, uh, they've got two wingers that are really decent a guy that plays with the socks rolled down and I've forgotten his name but it's something really cool it's like Selassie or something right I don't, know, don't quote me on that but they've got, look if you watch that game look for the guy that's got his socks rolled down and he's he's good <laughs> really good definitely one to watch um, yeah. I think they could surprise man like against Celtic they were really good really really good to watch and then you've got Bayern against Atleti on the 21st of October that's yep. a that's a fascinating one yep. to look forward to so uh, yeah plenty plenty coming up over the next week between the internationals moving into the league and then straight back into the Champions League yeah it's all coming thick and fast yeah my picks of the weekend just for La Liga would be Getafe v Barca I think it's a massive one we'll, we'll talk more about that next week because we'll know what the result was so important to, to put in a good performance uh, away to Getafe for Barcelona there mm-hmm. uh, you'd fancy I, I don't think I'd bother I don't think I'd recommend watching Madrid versus Cadiz because I'd fancy them to, to win that Betis v Sociedad I reckon will be a, a good game just at the end of the weekend just to round it down Betis second on the table Sociedad mm-hmm. third um, yeah. Sunday night it's normally yeah. exciting yeah it's always a good good way to kind of round up the weekend so yeah I'm, I'm my pick is Villarreal Valencia yeah the derby not derby yeah the derby yeah <laughs> Uh, it's like an hour up the road the real derby is obviously Valencia Levante yeah. those stadiums are separated by three kilometres in the city of Valencia and then you've got Villarreal just up the road in Castellon mm-hmm. uh, quite a quite a small place but a fantastic team so that that's one to look out for as well um, and yeah it's good to have the league back yeah. after the international break yeah I know yeah. not a fan of the international break I don't know. No, yeah, I think we can safely say that. So yeah, good to have it all back. Um, that's a that's a fair that's a fair whack. We've had about thirty eight minutes. So hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll see you next week when we've got a bit more to comment on, and we'll do a, a little classical preview. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. Adios. Hasta luego. <laughs>